Our first reading is from the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you from your own people a prophet like me. You must listen to whatever he tells you. And it will be that everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be utterly rooted out from the people. And, as, and all the prophets, as many as have spoken from Samuel and those after him, also predicted these days. You are the descendants of the prophets and of the covenant that God gave to your ancestors, saying to Abraham, in your descendants, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Our second reading is from the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Now in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For to begin with, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. Indeed, there have to be factions among you, for only so will it become clear who among you are genuine. When you come together, it is not really to eat the Lord's Supper, for when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own supper, and one goes hungry and another becomes drunk. What? Do you not have homes to eat and drink in? Or do, you not or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I commend you? In this matter, I do not commend you. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is God's story for God's people. Thanks be to God. Good morning and welcome. Welcome whether you are here in person or watching online. Today is the last sermon in our Understanding the Bible series. I hope that some of you will be curious uh, that this has sparked in you a desire to keep learning more about the Bible. I imagine there's others who will be glad that it's over, and that's fine too. And next week we'll turn to something new. The series will be preserved on our website and in a podcast. And I also want to mention that understanding the book of Revelation, which is a big deal all on its own, that has its own sermon, which I preached earlier in the spring. It will also be posted along with the series. I want to thank those of you who have asked good questions about some of the matters that have been beyond the scope of this particular series. Some of your questions about the Bible's treatment of women and sexuality, violence and slavery, hell and salvation. These kinds of questions are going to shape a different sermon series that will come up later on in the fall. For now, let's get into it for this morning. You join me in prayer. God, we thank you for your wisdom to us in these ancient words, which are full of grace and love, wisdom, and mystery, things that we don't understand and things that lead us to greater understanding. And so open our hearts and minds this day 
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I mentioned Elaine Pagels earlier in this sermon series. Elaine Pagels is one of the most important biblical scholars of the last century. She has also written a recent memoir called Why Religion? In that memoir, she seeks to reconcile her knowledge of the Bible and religion with her own life experiences, in particular, her griefs and losses in life including the shocking death of a young child and also of her husband, who she lost in middle age. Hers has been a powerful and also mysterious spiritual journey. And the very last sentence of her memoir reads, however it happens, sometimes hearts do heal through what I can only call grace. In this last sermon of the Understanding the Bible series, we're going to look at the second half of the New Testament. Grace, which I will define here as the mysterious and restorative love of God, grace has central place in this part of the Bible. The second half of the New Testament is mostly composed of letters. Letters that were written by the early followers of Jesus. They were written to church communities that were young and trying to find their way. In this collection of letters, the Apostle Paul brings forward the idea of grace. Grace is central to his idea of God and Jesus Christ. And today we will see how that idea fits into the covenant theme that we've been talking about all summer long. A covenant that is created, broken, and restored. In the previous lesson from a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the four Gospels, the stories at the, new, the beginning of the New Testament, which tell the story of Jesus' life on earth. The remainder of the New Testament tells the story of what happens next as the early church begins to take shape. This is the story of the followers of Jesus figuring out how to live according to his way now that they no longer have his daily presence and his daily teaching. The story is told in the New Testament in two ways. The first way it's told is in the book of Acts. Acts is a continuation of the gospel according to Luke. It's written by the very same chapter. Chapter 1 of Acts makes that obvious to us. It traces the story of how the followers of Jesus spread the message of the life and work of Jesus. His followers took that message first all around Jerusalem and then far beyond. This work happens primarily under the leadership of Jesus' disciple Peter, and then it happens under the work of Paul, a person who did not know Jesus personally, but has a powerful conversion experience due to the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. And he becomes Jesus' greatest evangelist. 
Acts is a, is a collection of stories and sermons by these early disciples. And these stories and sermons narrate the dramatic spirit-led development of the early church. It is inspirational and purposeful. And it gives the sense that all along, the disciples knew what they were doing and understood the mission that they shared. The rest of the New Testament is quite different. It's a different telling of the same story. It is a collection of letters, and they are written mostly by Paul and Paul's students and other followers. The letters are written to specific churches they have founded as they have traveled throughout the Mediterranean. And they advise young churches, new churches, of the marks of a Christian, the marks of a follower of Jesus. The beliefs, the practices, the worship, the personal behaviors that should be adopted by people who say they follow Jesus. So the letters describe matters of belief, terms like grace and forgiveness, and how those things work. They describe practices of a Christian like generosity and acts of worship like baptism and communion. And they describe personal and communal behaviors, things that we do on our own and together like kindness and justice that show to people that we are Christians. These are marks of what it looks like to live a life according to the way of Jesus Christ. These various letters are named for the communities to which they were sent. Romans was written to the church at Rome. Corinthians was written to the church at Corinth, and so on. Many of these letters were written by Paul or one of his students, and some were written by emerging leaders in what was then a young church. The letters are different than the book of Acts. They're full not only of instruction, but debate and argument regarding different opinions. They offer corrections around missteps that have taken place. They leave no doubt that Jesus' early followers struggled mightily to agree on the right way to follow him. I chose two lessons that you heard Jim read in preparation for this morning's sermon. They both used the word covenant. It was figured prominently in each reading. They're, they're both readings about people trying to follow the covenant. But in Acts, we heard a, a very linear story of how they were all following the covenant together. In the letter from Corinthians, we heard a, a message about people arguing over practices at the Lord's table and how to engage in them in the right way so as to maintain the covenant. Two different ways of telling the same story. Taken together, the book of Acts and this collection of letters look a lot like the church today. Acts tells an inspiring, unified story. The letters, by contrast, describe challenges and arguments and the everyday grind of being church. If you compare them to the church today, Acts is like reading the annual report. The letters are like attending all the committee meetings that led up to it. In the church today, 
Sometimes we are telling a coherent, well-crafted story of what it means to follow Jesus and to be church together. Our ministries thrive. We welcome new people. The gospel makes sense. Other times we are reacting to specific circumstances that arise in our ministries and in our community. We're figuring out how to find a new pastor when one has left the congregation. We're planning a budget and trying to get a little more money into mission than we did last year. We're searching for the most faithful way to celebrate the Lord's Supper in the midst of a pandemic. Like the early church, sometimes our stories are joyful and centered around the guidance of Jesus. Sometimes the church is a real mess because we are a gathering of a bunch of regular, flawed human people. We're trying to do our best, and we're making plenty of mistakes along the way. And these are the kinds of stories and letters that form the second half of the New Testament. Now that we've talked about the basic material that is found in Acts and the letters, Let's step back and talk about how these books fit into the larger story of the whole Bible. Throughout this series, we have been talking about the Bible through a, a common theme, a repeated cycle into which the stories of the Bible fit. There's a covenant, God's way of life. And the covenant is created, and it's broken, and it's recreated again. God creates a covenant with human beings. God offers a way of life by which we should live. Sometimes people participate in that covenant fully and faithfully, but inevitably we go our own way and the covenant is broken. But God is faithful and steadfast in relationship to us, and so God extends forgiveness and the covenant is restored. In the New Testament, we see this pattern played out first in the Gospels. We talked about that last time, through the life of Jesus. God sends Jesus into the world as a renewal of the covenant that the people have broken. In his ministry, Jesus lives and teaches according to God's way of life. Some people follow Jesus faithfully, but many resist his gospel of love and ultimately they put him to death on the cross. The covenant is broken. In the resurrection, God restores the covenant once more, and the Holy Spirit is the presence in the world that is a sign of God's enduring covenant. In the part of the te New Testament we are turning to today, Acts and the letters, a new challenge has arisen. Jesus is now gone from the earth. His followers are on their own. Without Jesus' ministry among them each and every day, the people of the early church must figure out, as best they can, how to keep living according to God's way. Acts and the letters tell the story of that struggle. As the followers of Jesus debate and exchange letters about right belief and right practice, about right worship and right behavior, in each of these ways, they are simply trying to figure out how to follow God's way of life, how to stay within the covenant. 
inevitably they screw up along the way. And thanks to what Paul refers to as grace, we are accepted by our Creator God for the flawed and imperfect people we are. And God keeps on renewing the covenant with us. And in this way, the early church, as it's described in Acts and the letters, the early church lives again that theme we have been talking about all summer long, covenant created, broken, and renewed. Having spent most of the last seven lessons talking about this covenant cycle, the obvious question seems to be, when will it end? When will this endless cycle of brokenness and restoration, when will it be restored? You already know the answer to that. If you're someone who attends church, I refer you to the familiar words of the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus teaches his followers to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God, this way of Jesus Christ we've been describing all summer long, this is the way Jesus describes the world as God created it to be. The kingdom of God is the ultimate restoration of the covenant. And while Jesus' ministry shows glimpses of that kingdom, and so does the church now and again, the kingdom of God is mostly an aspirational idea. It has not arrived, yet we're not there, and only God knows when it will. For now we are stuck in this world where the covenant keeps on being broken. And thankfully God keeps loving us, but we have to find that love in the midst of this brokenness, and we are left to wonder. We are left with the mystery of when the kingdom will come finally. If the kingdom isn't coming today or tomorrow, the world is bound to remain in this state of brokenness for some time to come. So how are we supposed to bear it in the meantime? And that brings me back to where I began this morning with my reference to Elaine Pagels and her memoir, where she described her own struggles and said in the end, however it happens, sometimes hearts do heal through what I can only call grace. Grace is this mystery by which time and again God takes the broken pieces of our lives and renews a covenant with us so that we can keep on living. The renewal of the covenant does not guarantee that things won't fall apart again, but it does promise us that no matter what, God will be with us. And this idea of grace, then, is consistent with everything we've been saying about the Bible since the book of Genesis. My favorite one-sentence summary of the Bible is something I once heard said by a pastor and teacher named Craig Barnes. 
He said that in the first three chapters of the Bible, we see a world that is created by God and falls apart. That's the first three chapters of the book of Genesis. And everything else is a recovery plan. Everything else is a recovery plan. I think there's a lot of truth to that. The Bible is a story of a relationship between God and creation. It's a relationship that stumbles and falls again and again, but God keeps on renewing the promise, welcoming us home, yearning for a day when we will live together in harmony and peace, the harmony and peace for which God created us. It is a vision worth striving toward for all of us. And thanks to the grace of God, we can. This may not be the best way to understand the Bible. I assure you it's not the only way that has been presented. But in this season of my life and my current place on my journey of faith, this is how I understand it. And I'm grateful for the grace of God and to be on this journey together with you. Amen.